0: we go hit that live button all right everybody what's going on so today uh we have a very very special guest so you are all here because you're either an entrepreneur or you want to own your own business someday and want to live life on your own terms now you might have confusion on what kind of business you want to own or if you have a business you may be confused as to how to grow your ideas um into like a a really profitable business a seven-figure business You might experience quite a bit of confusion on your ideas and how to be successful with them. And that's why I invited my guest Elizabeth Frisch here today. Now Elizabeth is a self-declared recovering chemical engineer. She's a CEO and founder of the Thrival company, which helps companies make their big ideas a reality. She's helped companies for the last 20 plus years, and she's worked with a wide variety of clientele from the U S military, to government agencies, to Fortune 500 companies. And she's also written a must-read, phenomenal book. It's called Mission to Millions, taking your big ideas and making them, making them a reality. As a matter of fact, Elizabeth has created, at the very least, a seven-figure business doing this. How do I know this? Because she is a, also a very well-known member of the notorious mastermind group, War Room, which requires you to have a seven-figure business to even qualify to join the group. So today, she's here to help us light the path and help us take the ideas in our head and make them successful in the real world. Elizabeth, thank you so much for doing this.
1: Oh, well, thank you for having me. You know I love you, and you know I want to support your entrepreneurs because I am going to be a serial entrepreneur until the age of 125.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm talking about.
1: Yep. Don't intend to retire. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Love it. There, like, just live out that purpose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So Elizabeth, uh, t- like back us up here, like walk us through the moment where you realized that you had to move from being, uh, you know, a chemical engineer uh, to, to being the business owner.
1: You know, I had, and I believe God has a big sense of humor. And back in 2002, I was at the pinnacle of my career working with, um, actually a state agency that I was interested in potentially being the head of someday. I was working with the legislature. I had my career pretty much in exactly the place I wanted it, right? And then, you know, you get kind of comfortable. My husband and I looked at each other and was like, well, we're not getting any younger. I was actually uh, 29 at the time. And we decided to have kids. And what I discovered rapidly is, uh, the workplace, when you birth a child that has issues, doesn't support you being a mom and working. At least it didn't in 2002, right? So sometimes desperation is the mother of invention. And I tried to go teleworking. I tried to do all sorts of stuff. And then it was funny. One of my clients, I love him dearly, Fort Bliss military installation said, well, if you went out on your own, we'd hire you. And I was like at that moment where I was like, you know, I've always worked for everybody else. Why not? Right. And so in 2002, I left my job with no intention of doing anything, but just being a solo outfit, you know, just put my thing up, work a few projects, make good money. Because at that point, chemical engineers made a really good hourly rate. So I didn't even have to work full time to make a salary. And literally within three years um well by end of year number one I was exhausted and sick because I had so much work by end of year two I was hiring people by end of year three you know I had over a dozen clients fast forward 17 years later and now I have multiple businesses and multiple organizations from residential real estate development to the consulting to I do keynoting We now have an online 24/7 training platform that people pay an annual license fee to get their professional development credits. Like it was, it was just a step by step thing. Of I was clear what my goal was, which was I wanted to still have an amazing career, and God gave me a wonderful child who needed a mom who could work from home. So sometimes you fall into entrepreneurship. You know, and I'm happy to say Fort Bliss was client number one, and we just kept adding them, right? But sometimes you you wake up one morning and you realize like this isn't working, what I'm doing now, right? And then you just write the goal. And my goal was to be able to have and be at the time. You know, what I was doing was some engineering, but a lot of um, helping uh, get legislation and other things that help businesses grow. And I was like, I want it all, you know? And I always joke, people say you can have it all, just not at the, not all at once. And so it was just a natural evolution for me as an engineer to just break it into chunks and say, okay, I can't do this job, so how do I work from home? And then I got home and had all these clients and I couldn't work them by myself. So then it was like, okay, what's the next step? Okay, I guess I'm gonna be a real business, you know, and become a corporation and, you know, so I just always have taken things very stepwise, which is why the book is so stepwise too. Um, is just start with the goal and then step, step, step with it.
0: Excellent. So you had a, a very clear and concise goal, right? Like you, you talked about in the book. You talk about smart goals, um, but there's one thing that is is very important, which is step number two, which is which is the commitment. Now I'm sure there was points in your journey where you maybe you wanted to retreat, or did you have a, a way out? Was your back against the wall? Like what was that like?
1: So I, as an engineer, were taught to control risk, right? And so was I committed to that goal of of being able to work full time and be home, right? Um, but. Anyone who has ever done anything around a goal knows it's a roller coaster, not a uh, linear line, right? And when you say commit to the goal, one of the most important things to do is if you go every day and take a step on it, even if you have a bad day or a step backwards, you have to reassess and learn all the time. Because what you thought was true on day one may not be true on day seven. You know, we were talking before the the podcast started about the fact that every 90 days, I have to reassess my entire future of every company I have right now. And every day I reassess, like, I just look and say, well, where am I at on each one? Like, if you actually looked at my goals and things, I have... But my annual goals, broken down to my monthly goals, broken down to my daily. And I check in on those because it's so easy to get sidetracked. Distractions, just part of entrepreneurship and something may come up. Like I always call it, do you remember the movie Up? Did you ever get to see the movie Up? Yeah. I kept going squirrel, squirrel, <laughs> right? Like, God, our phone, our phone, this thing is my squirrel, right? Like, oh my God, every 10 minutes, this thing can squirrel me. So you have to just be so vigilant on that because yes, you're going to get distracted. Like your kid's going to wake up throwing up one morning or you're going to wake up throwing up one morning and you got to just pick it back up again and have that kind of visual as well as written checkpoint every single day. Like I get up every morning and I look at everything before I ever let anyone talk to me. Because if I let people talk to me, I won't get my goals done that day. I love my people, but they distract me.
0: (laughs) I have the same challenge. Like the reason why I wake up so early is because I want to talk to my family. I want to hang out, I want to crack jokes, but I I know if I wake up at the time they wake up, I'm not going to get the things done that I need to get done. So I have to wake up way before them.
1: Yeah. And we all work from home right now, right? Something as simple as you got to shut your door. I had to build a physical door. I have an open office in my house up until Christmas. And I finally realized if I couldn't slide the door shut, I couldn't actually put a boundary. You know? And I'm 17 years working from a, a global company from my house, and I literally last December finally built the door. Wow, mm-hmm. wow,
0: that's that's pretty funny. So, I in terms of like you not letting people in, like, cause that yeah that the the beginning of your day is so important. It, it sets the tone for the rest of the day. Now, what? How much time do you give yourself to you know review everything? And then like, uh, when you're in communication with people, like, what does that look like for you?
1: Um, I first, before I answer the question, I'm going to tell everyone, you don't start with this much time. You learn to do this much time. What I do. So I spend two hours setting my platform for my day. Now that doesn't just my goals. Like I start doing, I start my day with a guided visualization to just calm my mind. I, have specific practices I do to center myself. I have certain rituals around my coffee and the, the things that I need so that set my platform for the day. And then I spend pretty much a good 60 minutes literally going through, and I'm a believer, uh, and part of it's because I'm Asian trained, right? I rewrite my goals each day, uniquely for each day. In fact, I got to talk with, um, there's another great person who you should get on your podcast, Dr. Barry Morgland, right? He was the one who I used to do my goals once a week, right? And I would do a beautiful job with them. And he was like, no, 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 no. In this practice that I'm going to teach you, you have to do it every day. And he's right. Because if you just do them every Sunday, which was my practice, it wasn't. So every morning I sit there and I look and I reassess. So I have my top 10 things to do for the day. I have my goals for the day. And goals aren't just work goals. They're relationship goals. They're health goals. They're all those things that make you a balanced human being versus sick as shit and miserable. Excuse my French. I just swore. Uh, But, you know, it's those kind of things that... um, One of the things with entrepreneurs is we usually become entrepreneurs because we're really good at working. We're brilliant at work, but we will screw up our lives, get divorces, crash and burn, you know, have to take three months off because we completely blew our health like that. And so as entrepreneurs, one of the things everybody who's on this call needs to remember the minute you just throw yourself into being an entrepreneur, you're going to fail. That's why there's so many meteoric rises and falls. And so if you wanna have the staying power, so I'm year 17, right? You gotta start making sure that your goals in the morning, your top 10 aren't just work, aren't just making money. Like one of the things I think that saved me from the crash and burns, uh, being as long as some other entrepreneurs or having a much lower failure rate when I do a business venture My goal is to leave a legacy, not make money. And when you start chasing those money unicorns, you're going to get burned because not only does it show up and bleed out of you and everyone you talk to because you're always worried about getting money out of people, but most people want to leave a legacy, make a difference, change their life, change others' lives. And that's where we as humans can connect. And in the morning, that's how I ground myself is I'm like okay, I'm going to have win-win conversations today. That's one of the goals I write. Because if I don't have win-win conversations, we all know competition is out there and there are people who will don't care whether you get what you want or what you need.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow, um, that, that was so powerful because a big thing is a lot of people get into entrepreneurship because they see this big, potential cash cow right like oh Mm
1: -hmm. i can
0: make a lot of money and you know it it, it comes from selfish reasons like oh then i'll be able to travel then i can do all this stuff but they don't really think about the kind of value like put the value first put relationships first and, and the money comes in once the relationships from the people are built and like and then you grow from there am i right And
1: entrepreneurship is just like that really famous actor's quote where he said, yeah, I'm a 20-year overnight success. You know, I would love to say that um, I always made a certain amount of money, right? But that's not the case. Sometimes I got digressed. Sometimes I went in an angle that wasn't good. Sometimes there was a down economy. I mean, I had a year where I didn't want to lay off any of my employees because they were so valuable and I invest so much in building my people that if I had laid them off and they'd gone and gotten other jobs and I had to rebuild, i went a year without a salary, right? Wow. Because it was my goal to not lay anyone off and my salary paid for three people. So if you don't save the money, if you don't have a float, if you don't really learn the fundamentals, that's when you get taken out, you know, and Mm -hmm. those are the things that, you know, I made less money up front and I was willing to do it, even though the gross revenue looked really hot and sexy, right? But I invested that in the things that I knew would give me longevity. And that's one thing an entrepreneur has to decide too. Are you building something that you want to exit in three years? That's a whole different thing than if you're building something you want to do for 10. Mm -hmm. You know, SBA says 99% of businesses fail by year 10, right? Yeah. And the reason is, is they're not built to to be there because people go in and go, I need the money. I need the money. Well, guess what? You know, I remember a bunch of people telling me, What's your day job, dive in. Oh my gosh. I just launched a new business four months ago. I'm keeping my regular stuff going, even though this business may produce massive earnings, right? Because nobody wants to starve. Like if you look, I have beautiful stuff around me. I live in a beautiful house. I live in a beautiful life. Um, and you have to think about like, how are you willing to live to grow? also, because a lot of entrepreneurs think, oh, it's going to take me 90 days to do X or six months to do X, instead of thinking about, well, what if it takes me 12? What if it takes me Mm -hmm. two years? Like uh, Elon Musk is one of my favorite quotes, because when he approaches a problem, he uses physics. So Elon Musk is a total geek like me, right? Right. And the approach of physics is not to have assumptions. The approach is to keep asking questions to find everything that's gonna fail or everything you missed. And so I'm always saying, what have I missed? Because trust me, when you launch businesses, (sighs) there's always something you've missed, right? So that's another part of my morning platform. What am I missing today? What didn't I look at? What am I not accounting for? in my, in my business. And right now it's businesses with an ES for me. So it's like, I have to consciously look at each aspect, not just one company now.
0: Dang. Wow. That, that was, that, that's impactful. Um, especially with like uh, that's, that's really good. That's really good to hear uh, in terms of making sure that you really do put the people first. Um, or you know, not necessarily like about the money. Like the money is great. great, um, and we hear this, especially you know, come from myself, concerning that I am I'm not on my own. Okay. It, it feels good to hear like because with my own approach to business, it's it is helping. Like um, I I charge twenty nine ninety nine uh, yeah twenty nine ninety nine a month for a a, a Zoom call that I do every single day and. It's a message, you know, that helped inspire people. And I've had several people say, dude, you should be charging way, way, way more for this. And I'm like, you know, I just want to get as many people in here as possible. Cause I want to, I genuinely want to help and like really take people's lives to the, to the next level. And like, and you get the spirit is like the spiritual fulfillment you get when somebody tells you like, wow, because of you, you've helped me out this way. And this is why my life is a much, you know, much better And the results I got from it. Now, with like, uh, you you talked about like the fundamentals. Like, so Mm -hmm. let's say someone is getting started into in business, and maybe they have they you know have the you know idea that they want to run with. What would you say to someone who's who's like getting like they want to start making that leap, they but they haven't yet.
1: Yeah. So I um, and there's plenty of ways to do it, and you can not to shamelessly plug my book, but you can use the book, right? uh, And if you're on Kindle Unlimited, it's free right now. You can read it for free right there. So best deal on the planet if you have Kindle Unlimited. Um, But you really do have to start with the goal. And you have to put the boundaries on it and what, why and how and where you're willing to go. Because when I quit to start my first company, right? Which I didn't know was gonna be a company. My first goal was to be a mom and work from home and still make X salary, right? And then within six months, and you have to reassess those goals constantly because within six months, my goal was, I have X level of revenue to hire X people because I'm exhausted and working seven days a week. And even though I'm home, I'm not seeing my kid, right? Like it wasn't about the money. And so getting started, be really clear on your goals and look at them every day because your goal may be a crappy goal when you start with an idea and you have to constantly evolve it as you get more data in, right? So number one, if you want to go out and be an entrepreneur, write your goal and I'll put an S on it because it's rarely just one goal. But you know, you start things off of pain points, yours or others, right? So once you like, and sometimes just start with a, you can do your emotional vomit on all your pain points and then look at it and say, okay, now that that's all my pain points, what's my goal? And then once you have your goal, then you have to look and say, well, how am I willing to live, eat, interact? Do I keep my job? That's where that Elon process of questioning So like, dump whatever's in your head out, get your goals and then question everything. Well, what if this takes me this or not that? Uh, What uh, do I need to live on? What, you know, and just, and then again, answer all those questions, then you've got a good platform to start stepping. So that would be how I would get started. It's how I start everything that I do, whether even if it's just taking a vacation, that's like, that's become my life platform.
0: Wow. Um now with with the the goals mm-hmm. do you cuz I write down my goals every day as well I got that from Grant Cardone and I write them as if for, as if I've already achieved them. Now, when you write down your goals, are they more so like five-year goals, 10-year goals or is it more towards like what does actually seems achievable in the next 3 months? Like what do your goals look like when you write them down?
1: Yeah. Um I believe in writing goals for better than you can imagine and again, I'll give Dr. Barry he modified my belief in that once I studied the um, Lautsa approach, which is what he taught, teaches, and um, and I don't I I don't write my goals like they've already happened. I actually um, that's where I differ in kind of my practice. You know, I write my goals for what I want to happen, and then I break them down each day into daily actions. So like right in the front of my goals book, and in fact, like you don't have one of these. Like I'm gonna just show it because right by my desk, right? I pick what I have. And if you open it up, like I have my year of goals in it, you know, my main goals. And then this is what it looks like to do. Let's see if I can get the, I'm going to see if I can get my camera to focus. Like this is like the level of every day. I'm writing a minimum of two to three pages. Once I have those big goals that I know I want to do for the year, then my daily goals ripple off of that. And then every evening I measure myself against it. And I do on a scale of one to 10, not make myself wrong. Um, because I feel like, like, I'm not a big fan of the secret. I'm an engineer. The secret, it talks about manifestation. Well, to me, the secret left out the secret, okay? Like the secret says, just put the picture on the wall and look at it. Well, if you start interviewing anybody who's gotten that car or that, you know, million-dollar house or gold-plated life, they took a lot of daily actions that led up to that. Because there's a ton of people who have the pictures on their wall, and they've been staring at those same manifestation pictures for 15 years. So, So there's kind of that aspect of goals. But if you don't take action on it, and even if you have to keep your day job, right, What's it look like to spend 30 minutes a day working on it, on your next thing? You know, that's how, when I had to make the leap from single person to a business that I didn't know how to run, I'm an engineer. I didn't have an MBA back then, right? Still don't have one now, but I'm hoping I'll get an honorary one soon because I I had to learn, right? Because now I help other companies scale up from, you know, companies in bankruptcy that are major global corporations down to you know, little ideas with a little bit of VC or PE funding, right? That we have to move forward. So again, an action may be that for three months, you have to learn how to run a business.
0: Mm -hmm. So another big thing um, that I know that helps out make your ideas a reality, you talk about this in the next practice after commitment, you talk about communication, which is, which is everything, you know, to be able to communicate your ideas effectively. And typically when someone doesn't jump on it, it's because they just, you haven't, they're still unsure about what is it that you actually do. Now, um, I know that you, you know, you are a member of War Room today, but, you know, prior leading up, you know, leading up to that, like, did you, like, how were you making connections with people? How are you networking? And were you just asking for introductions? Were you cold reaching out? Like, what'd that look like for you?
1: I did a lot of free. Speaking. I went to a lot of seminars, I went to a lot of trade associations, anywhere I could go and meet my target clients, because back then we didn't have all this internet, <laughs> like it wasn't like you and I could get on this and go Facebook live, right? Um, I just put myself into those groups, you know, I would join them, I would come speak, um, you know, I got to get involved with my local chambers, uh, trade associations for my, my kind of business, were amazing, I just joined, join, 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 members, members, members of a ton of chambers across the US, members of associations, attending conferences, and then, you know, I obviously have attended a ton of stuff from, you know, the old favorites of Covey all the way up to and including, you know, War Room, right? But every year, um, part of the reason why you know, I would say like, oh, did I get to six figures fast and, or whatever I put in my pocket, you know, I always spent 25 to 50,000 a year connecting and making sure I was hanging around with those people who could make those connections for me. Um, very early on in my career, I was blessed that my first manager out of college said, Elizabeth, always 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 surround yourself with people smarter than you. Literally, that was three months out of college, the best advice and may he rest in peace. And he said, always hire people smarter than you, always work with people smarter than you. He said, you're never going to have a limit as long as you always have people smarter than you around you. And so like every year I took that to heart and was like, okay, where's the next smarter than me person I can meet, connect with and people because ego has no place. Entrepreneurs tend to have big egos. Guess what? The ones who are really successful found people smarter than them, right? And got them in their space because that allowed them to move further faster.
0: Nice. Yeah. Tony Robbins he talks about that. You know, proximity is power. It's everything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they say that, you, you know, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're, you're in the wrong room. 100% believe in making sure that you're always try um Ty Lopez actually calls us the law of 33 percent where 33 percent of people you hang out above you 33 percent on your level and 33 percent you can bring up so um what what would what went into you actually making the decision to, to join war room
1: you know it was funny I was very blessed when I um I knew that group before there was war room uh, cause Ryan Dice, Richard, and them were all in Austin, Texas. And I got to, I had so many people going, Elizabeth, you need to meet these folks. Right. And they were like hanging out in bars, doing cool stuff. Like, you know, I just kind of went to some events and all that other good stuff and grew up with them. And what I love about Ryan and Richard is they always have been so humble about sharing what it looks like to grow. And I knew that was a group I wanted to stay with. And I was actually totally lucked out because another War Room member wanted me to come and help him scale his business, right? So like, I didn't even have to pay for my first few years of War Room because I got to be with this person, help him scale his business. And um, when he got in a good place, then I was like, okay, I I really need to put my own company into it. And I did that, but... um, you know, it was one of those just organic things because I was blessed to get to know the organization from its infancy. You know, the digital marketer family. Um, yeah, it's funny. I, I, I jokingly, and Ryan and Richard know this. I say, you know, I kind of like stalked you virtually for quite some time. Went to some of your events. Didn't introduce myself. I'm actually as chatty as I am on camera, one-on-one or on stage when I do keynotes. I'm an introvert. I'm just a very adapted one who loves to teach. So if you do my personality testing, I'm an I, right? But I love to teach and share. And so I have to overcome it, but I always joke with them. I said, I was always really quiet at first like and putting myself in the back and saying nothing because I watch for a really long time. That's what introverts do. And then we we're we much slower than extroverts in doing business things, to be frank. And that's one thing I've noticed about a lot of the people I work with. Most entrepreneurs tend to be visionary and extroverted. Um, so I have this kind of unique space, which is why I got an engineering degree or other things where I like to watch, listen, learn, cogitate, and then I take my next step. So like this personal protective equipment business that I started doing compliance assurance for everybody like dove in and, and got burned. And me, I refused to even place a deal or a buy until I was like really sure, because Mm. I know in this business, after doing 20 years of global supply chain, that rushing into anything that involves millions and billions of dollars, yeah, no, 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 no. Right. There's all sorts of legal stuff. So again, I use my approach of like my what if of, you know, okay, if I'm going to do this PPE thing, what's all the things that are going to go wrong if I don't watch my back?
0: Most definitely. And, you know, I would have never guessed that you are an introvert. You know, I, I shared this with you before the podcast that when you walk into the room, you change the energy of the room and, and lead into a very positive direction where when you see you, but well, I was on a different table. He's like, wow, like that, like, it looked like you guys are having a great time at, at your table. And when I finally got to meet you, I'm like, I feel like, um, there's a lot of, uh, just warmth and, and, and love come like radiating off of you. So you would never guess that you, um, and, and I feel like I have a, as well, a little bit of myself as, you know, more introverted. And yeah. sometimes I, I can, beat myself up for not being more proactive when it comes to going and out and networking and meeting people. But it's very interesting how you've been able to build a very successful network or strong network, uh, you know, being from taking the standpoint of being an introvert. So like, did you have to work on your social skills? Uh, Did you read books? Like, how did you go? Like, how did that happen?
1: So one of the things I learned to fall in love with introverts are taught a lot of self hate because we don't, we don't fit right. And when I was younger, my, my parents would joke, I was always the fly on the wall. And I, I found group situations really exhausting and draining because I'm a strong empath. That's probably why you like feel my love is I'm like, oh, I just want to give and receive. Um, but it exhausts me when I do that in groups. And so back, you know, back to that morning platform, one of the things I did was just start giving myself time and space to be alone. Because we do recharge in isolation. We can't recharge around others. So if you went out to my backyard today, now that I'm stuck at home and surrounded by people all day long called my family, like I loved traveling because I always had hotel room quiet time. So I didn't care that I traveled every other week. I loved to go to my hotel room or wherever it was, cause I get to travel some pretty beautiful places, the beach or whatever. And I would spend hours by myself not talking to anyone. And now that I'm home for the pandemic, right? Can't travel, I'm doing everything virtually. I'm training, keynoting, you know, everything's on Zoom or project teams or whatever. I've now made my backyard into that space. So I've made like a little Mecca <laughs> and I go out there by myself in the morning turn on the fans it's summer i don't care but really whether you're an extrovert or an introvert how you get your energy and restore your energy needs to be honored and that's another thing that we entrepreneurs kind of forget is like there's this whole part of honoring what you need to keep your energy up that we forget you know extroverts get depressed like extroverts who are stuck at home right now during the pandemic, this is a struggle. I'm married to one, right? And so I have to honor his needs for socialization, just like I have to honor mine to go out in my backyard, shut the door and be by myself watching the birds and doing my goals in the morning.
0: Solid, so you've created that space for yourself. So, so, mm-hmm. so important. Um, yeah. Let's, um here, let me look in the Facebook group for everyone who's watching. Um, go ahead and leave some questions while, you know, we're going on about this. Let me scroll up here. Let me see. So, um, hold on. Let me, let me try to articulate my, my question here. Um, it seems like a a big thing, a big thing that you're, I I, I love the fact that you're extremely disciplined because like to. Take that time. Like, and you know, I actually learned a lot right now. Um, I didn't realize that, um, by having the that morning time to myself like was very recharging and I, I needed it for for myself, especially I, as someone who like you know, people see me when I talk to my morning hustlers, they're like, Oh wow, like Greg is a you know, they see me as an actual person because I'm literally delivering a, a message every single day. But mm-hmm. like I I gotta have my my time alone. So Mm-hmm. um, you, you also talked about your nightly routine yeah. and like how you review the day. So how long does that usually take you? Is it, is it a, like, cause for my morning routine, my morning routine literally takes me two hours. Um, yeah. but like a light night routine, I don't have one in place besides no screens before, like an hour before bed. Uh, mm-hmm. but what does your night routine look like?
1: Yeah, so my night routine, first and foremost, if you don't have a little software called flux.io on all your devices that automatically turns off the blue light at sundown, like an hour before bedtime is actually not enough to calm for blue light. And so I've got flux.io on all my devices because I don't have to remember the minute sunset is triggered, it pulls all the blue off my screen, whether I'm looking at my phone, my computer or whatever. Um, But My ritual, I definitely have an hour of time, right? Where I do a wind down. And that starts with reviewing my stuff for the day. So I have two books. Again, I was taught that by Dr. B. I used to have it all in one book, my gratitudes and my goals in the same book. And he was like, no, 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 separate. So your goals book in the morning, your gratitude journal in the evening where you just reflect on your wins for the day. I also look back on my top 10 and say, How did I do today on those? And if I didn't, you know, good, bad, and different, you know, I check it. And without making myself wrong, I'll make the next day's list. Say, okay, that's what I did today. Top 10 tomorrow. Right. And then um, I typically choose to read something. Uh, My biggest trouble right now is because I'm doing pandemic response. I tend to, I caught myself in the trick the last few months. I've been reviewing all the medical stuff (laughs) before I went to bed. Don't recommend doing anything that's uh saving the planet right before bed because i that does disrupt your sleep um so what i do now is i pick something like right now i'm reading uh the alexander hamilton uh not the big huge thick tome that the musical was based on because the musical was so inspiring to me um and it has so many themes and it's so deep and i've watched it so many times that i really wanted to understand how incredibly flawed people really did birth an amazing nation. Right. And as entrepreneurs, guess what guys, we all have our jerk sides. We all have our bad sides. Right. And so I, you know, I try to do something that helps remind me of doing great things. Um, and then I actually have supplements. I take at bedtime. I am a avid, uh, you know, I have my little bit of CBD and my turmeric and my melatonin and my ashwagandha because that just helps me sleep. And then I do a 20-minute um, guided visualization. And typically I'm asleep before it's over, but it's on my phone. In fact, If you guys haven't um, pulled, uh, there's an app called Energy for Success. They have free visualizations on it, everything. Um, I actually helped build that. That was one of the things I did for um, Dr. Barry when he let me come to War Room for free. I helped him build out his online stuff. So it was a win-win for me because I always wanted an app that had like really good stuff I could do at bedtime. And he was like, sure, I'll come to War Room. And then I built the app on the side for him because I do IT stuff, right? So I knew how to do it and, and lay it out. But, and then, like I said, and then I go into my sleep. And then I also write goals for sleep. I sleep deeply. I don't, I I have wonderful, amazing dreams. I wake up feeling great in the morning. You know, if you looked at my bed, I have a beautiful, like I invested in like the best bed to sleep in because guys, our longevity, if we don't sleep, look, it takes years off your life. So invest in your sleep space. If you don't have good sleep space as an entrepreneur, you are already starting the next day at a disadvantage. So wow. honor your sleep as much as
0: your awake time. That's yeah, that's, that's very, very important. Um, Really quick. I actually, I, I would love to meet Dr. B as well. I, you think, speak highly of this person and i would love yeah. to hear about like the goal setting and all that. Um, And with uh with evening, as far as taking melatonin, you can take that. Uh, Cause I I've been taking that for the last week. Cause I, I wake up at three 50 in the morning and I, I've been going to sleep at seven 30 because mm-hmm. I needed to get my eight hours. Yeah. Uh, but I've been taking melatonin, but I'm like, I don't know if I like to be dependent on it. Like, so is it, it's okay to take melatonin each night to help. I you gonna
1: say, I'm not a doctor. I don't, I like, I take melatonin when I feel like I'm deficient in melatonin. Um, I actually kind of pers- and give Dave Asprey a boost. Um, Dave Asprey, I got to meet uh, actually through Dr. Barry, and um, he has something called Zen Mode. It's got a mix 5-HTP and some other things. That's actually my go-to sleeping. Um, the melatonin I find, I get really active dreams, so I can't stay on it indefinitely. Um, so I like to kind of, I use it when I know, and you, you know when you're deficient in melatonin because you'll keep waking up, right? You can't ever get into that deep, dreamy sleep you know, the the sleep that we all need, then take melatonin for a spell, but that's not something I take daily. I, you know, usually for me, it's a serotonin thing. So HTP helps and some of the more holy basil, you know, some of the more traditional stuff, but um, definitely I would defer to Dave Asprey, who's done years of studies on all those things and work with doctors versus take my advice. I kind of, like I said, surround yourself by people smarter than you. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. Dr. Barry and Dave definitely have the health thing much more laid out than I do.
0: And Dave Asprey, is that bulletproof coffee? Yeah.
1: Bulletproof coffee. That's what he's known for. But he has some amazing articles and supplements and other things. Like, um, I try not to eat. I'm an intermittent faster. Uh, so I use his, he's got a great thing called fat water. I just sip on because I try to do a 12 to 18 hour fast each day between eating, just because they show it's good for your health, you know, uh, and everybody shows it now, like you can go to American Diabetes, AMA, everybody's big on this intermittent fasting thing. So, you know, again, you just have to figure out what works for you. Every entrepreneur is going to be different. I know my health issues are uniquely mine.
0: <laughs> yeah um and you know what i know um, i've heard this from a man named alex becker he was saying that the digestion takes a lot of energy so again when you like starting the day off with the big meal that can really slow you down so i've yeah. been doing the same thing with the intermittent fasting it's like it's great because i do it for like the energy purposes how i feel i I, I should do a lot more research in, in terms of knowing. Well,
1: and that's why I do it is I don't have, I don't get nappy. I don't get sleepy. I don't have any mid afternoon lows because my main meal happens, you know, around four o'clock and I'm already wrapping. And then, you know, to your friend's point, because he's so right, you also stop eating more than two hours before you go to bed because you don't want to be putting energy into digestion while you're sleeping either. It disrupts your sleep. You know, so like I said, be as smart about your sleep time as you are about your awake time, because as an entrepreneur, uh, I can already tell you, like, I dream and solve things in my sleep all the time. If I don't calm my brain down, not that that's bad. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I've completely solved my problem from the night before, right? Um, But if it disrupts my sleep, then now I have a deficit and that next day is just that much harder to do.
0: Yeah, it, it can be tough, especially as an entrepreneur. You, you get excited before you go to sleep sometimes, right? Yeah. Um, and and Hal Elrod, he said that in the book Miracle Morning that you wake up with the same thoughts you went to sleep with.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: oftentimes, or sometimes, you know, the, the problem sol- Like sometimes you're like trying to solve it, but then in the morning, it's so obvious to you. You're like, how did I? So it's it's very interesting to ponder. Well, you that.
1: unconsciously set a goal to solve it, you know? Like I do that sometimes. Sometimes I'm like... uh worrying right nothing ever is good comes from worrying just write the goal tackle it when you can you know that's one of my blessings i was i grew up in a family that were like chronic worriers, so i developed an allergy to worrying (laughs) Mm. because it was so exhausting to watch my whole family like just i mean they probably should have all been in therapy right um they worried so much and so i was like i'm not going to worry about it i'm just going to do something about it
0: I love it. So like when you got into start diving into entrepreneurship, um, how, how was that for them? Was it, was it a lot of support? Was it like, well, you are you like, no,
1: well, no. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I come from a very conservative family. Uh, you know, my dad put his money in the bank, didn't believe in the stock market, didn't believe in real estate. They were both government workers, um, very conservative Catholic. You know, what I did was like, so unbelievably risky for them. Like they were always, and still to this day, my mother frets about the bad things that are going to happen to me because I live such a risky existence in her definition, you know? And that's the other thing with entrepreneurship that you have to realize is um, you just have to focus on your goals because if you get your affirmation or need your affirmation from others, You know what? The people who love us worry about us first. A lot of times, they don't necessarily do support. It's not that they don't love us. They just don't get when you're an entrepreneur and you're around people who aren't, they don't get it and they don't want to get it. That's not their comfort zone. You know, we wake up in the morning and want to create something new every, you know, 20 times a day. That's why we go squirrel. We have to go come back. Okay. I'm just doing this business right now. Right. Yeah. You know, and that's the other thing that you have to learn. And that's why I like the book. And I joke, I use my own book on myself because I'll be like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this. And then as Richard Lindner to quote him and Ryan have built bridges, right? So pick it, not that you can't work on the other stuff but you do have to like keep building one bridge and then add another one as you can.
0: Most definitely. So, um, you know, co- going, back, going back to this, this uh this book, as I was I was explaining to Elizabeth before the the call, like this, um is a book that you 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 read it, you like it's like so impactful. Like I'm just, I'm constantly like uh, underlining stuff in here, and I don't know if you can really see like uh.
1: Well, it was meant to be a workbook, you know, like it's a book, but I wrote it more like a guide, right? So if you're scribbling in it, you're doing what I do to my own book. If I actually showed you the one on my shelf, it's got crap all over it because I even we're gonna do a re-release of it next year after my second book comes out in January and you know I'm already doing updates.
0: <laughs> wow. I can't I can't wait. Is it uh you can't engineer a human?
1: Yep, you can not engineer human uh how to succeed and lead with high performance humans because the other thing about entrepreneurship, we're really good solopreneurs. We can be the crappiest leaders. Mm. And we don't get taught to be leaders. I mean, unfortunately. So uh, thankfully my kids uh, woke me up really fast because parents are leaders, right? And when God gives you kids, you realize nurture versus nature and um, things don't come out the same way. They're in a different generation, a different time, different metrics, different things they're exposed to. Like what you learned from your parents is worthless to parent your own children.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. So you can't engineer human as my labor and love because I, uh, I was kind of a jerk to work for because I really didn't get the human side. I was a good entrepreneur, a good creator, a good business builder. I don't think I was a good manager or a good leader until I really made a goal to master that.
0: So like, did you read any, did you read books that, that helped you out with, um, like with the leadership? Like what, what, what really helped you out with that?
1: Um, You know, one of my favorites, and it's still out of print, there's one called Breaking the Rules by Kurt Wright, and in fact, I'm going to like turn around and look at my shelf. Um, Blue Ocean Strategy was like another one that I used, but when it came to, um, and hold on, sorry, there's one other one that I was looking for. When it came to, oh, (laughs) there it is. So, all of those books were great to give me facets, but they didn't give me humanity. So, what I did start doing, I learned neuro linguistic programming first. It was one of the easiest courses to find at the time I started searching. Um, and then I just actually started working with courses, liter- literal courses on psychology, how the brain works. You know, um, I have a bunch that I still read right now from you know, Harvard Medical and Yale Medical and MD Anderson, you know, my husband probably laughs. I probably read six articles a day on how the human mind and body interact with others. Wow. So like the reason why I'm writing You Can't Engineer Human is after, you know, my son's 18 now, Uh, my daughter's 15. I have spent 19 years now studying who a human being is and how we react and interact with others. Because, and then I'm writing, you can't engineer human kind of in a similar way to how I wrote mission to millions, which is we approach people like their functions in a process. You're going to write some copy for me. You're going to do this for me. You're going to do that for me. And they, they approach us the same way when we're broken up into 10 very distinct things in this brain and body. And if we ignore them, we're destined to fail in working with and leading others, even being good team members. And so um, you can't engineer human was the one where I was like, okay, I've spent 18 years pulling all this stuff and creating practices for myself and interviewing others who do and I admire that really support human interaction, you know, win-win co all those kind of things. And so you can't engineer humans, you basically taking like 18 years of that and putting it again into a book. because so that's what I'm passionate about. It's like, once I learn it, I'm like, this is cool and it works. I want someone else to learn it. That's what makes a good entrepreneur is you pick something, you get a goal on something and then you're like, hey, okay, I got to launch that out to the world now because I figured it out. And then you move on to the next thing. So that's the blessing and the gift we entrepreneurs offer the world, and I love that you have a group that is doing that. Because without entrepreneurs, we'd all still be sitting in a cave, staring at a fire, using mud to draw on walls, right? You yeah. <laughs> somebody had to even figure out fire and, and matches, you know.
0: I think it's also amazing. I, I went to this museum where they, um, with the Wright brothers created, like the you know the airplanes. I'm thinking these people they were so crazy enough to think like, we're gonna figure out a way to fly. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine like the conversations they had with people People thinking they're crazy and they're so dedicated to their mission where they figured it out. And I'm like, that that's just like one specific thing that's like mind blowing.
1: Yeah, and that's why like in Mission to Millions, I talk about the importance of that relationship piece because we'll come up with the most brilliant idea, but most entrepreneurs, We like to build it and walk away. We're very ADD around things, right? So if you can't manage, execute, put in a structure for a team to take it over, most entrepreneurs end up very miserable. That's why like when I go in and help companies do scale-ups, sometimes the first CEO, really they only have about a three-year lifespan because they're, they're just builders and imaginers and expanders. They can't keep the company going and being profitable. They need to be moved on to something else that allows them to be that side. So entrepreneurs, if you don't know your personality type, your learning style, the difference between your limbic brain and your conscious brain and your lizard brain and all those kind of things, you need to learn that because guess what? We're only outside of our uh, you know very primitive realm for a very short period of time, right? And those things control us. You know, and they cause us to judge people and they cause us to have cognitive blindness and they cause us to fail literally because we don't understand ourselves and others and how we're structured. You know, when my son got diagnosed with 20 different things from Tuesday and they basically said, well, good luck with that. He's probably not going to have a successful life. I didn't like that answer. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm like, no way. You can't tell me that. No. Mm -mm. So keep that...
0: Yeah. yeah. And you figured out a way that's, <laughs> that's incredible. And, um, to see the, the, really the, we, I hear this, I don't have kids myself, but I hear this, the transformation kids have for something like you just completely transforms. And, and I know that when we went to the war Room event, you, you're talking about how your life was transformed when you're looking at your own, you know, baby and you're looking at William, right? Was it? Yep yeah and then you're like i don't understand you um and that really sets you on a on a huge path uh to learn so much um like this i'm attempting well i purchased charlie munger's poor richard's almanac because he talks about the 25 he talks about 25 cognitive biases that we have i I believe that we have so much more um but yeah like the human psychology uh, definitely something that i want to dive like more into as far as like just getting started is there any like just just google searches or is there any books that you can recommend on that or that's been helpful for you
1: you know um this is why and i hate it, not, i hate to say it again but get dr barry on because Tzu. like if you can find one of the not the translations of Tzu's work but um some of the interpretations of his work um, that actually, I have to give the Chinese credit. They figured out a lot of stuff way before we did, and then we lost it, right? Because of all the things that came into play. Um, so, not a bad place just to get to know yourself first. Um, I will, and you can post it on after this thing goes live. I'm going to send you a couple of the other things. You know, I there's a was a beautiful article called uh, "Your Mind Is a Rainforest." I'll find you the link to. Um, That really set me on the journey because we think and try to put everyone else in our framework. Why I walk into a room now and I'm not exhausted and I'm just myself and I, like, you can feel that when I come into a room is I am now so in love with the complexity of humanity that even when I have a conversation with a difficult person, it's a game for me to figure out what context they're coming from which is why I'm writing you can't engineer human is because when you learn what is humanity, then the game is just to figure out where they're at in their 10 facets of being human. And then once you figure it out and you get to like, even someone you like entrepreneurs, guess what? Do you know you can work successfully with people you hate and wouldn't have as your friends? And did you know if you only surround yourself with people you like, you're not gonna be successful because the reason you like them is they're just like you. So yeah, I'll actually, you can post it up. I'll find some of my best ones that I study. But, and I will find them because a lot of it was out of Harvard and some of the brain science and the brain psychology stuff. So they're more like they were articles versus books. Um, But there is a great book on adult learning behaviors. In fact, if you go on Amazon today, you can go Google adult learning behaviors. And, but I think my two favorites are like in the top three that come up. Like, if you do nothing else but learn adult learning behaviors, because most of the people you're dealing with are adults, you're going to be a better communicator. Uh, Study personality typing. There's actually, you know, for all the money that is spent, all of the personality typing methods go back to the Native American. So if you Google leadership compass, it's completely free. And it's based on the Native American totems. (laughs) The reason why nobody uses them anymore is because they weren't trademarkable, copyrightable. So everybody came up with something off of that. But again, um, visual auditory kinesthetic learning, John Latelier's works is a great thing to study. Um, You know, For all people saying, everybody can debunk everything about the brain, by the way. So like, it's funny because people go, well, I don't like that and it's been debunked. And I'll say, you know what, as an engineer, I don't care what's been debunked because the mind is complex. What I care about is what works. And guess what, John Latelier's work works in schools. Every teacher I know who use it, I use it myself. Every employee I hire, I make take the test, you know? So do what works and learn what works because everybody can give you contradictory information. It's really easy to shove holes in things. These days, especially, you know, I hate the term fake news Anyone who just wants to learn how to tell what's real or fake, take a course on statistics and data analysis. I have taken multiple ones, you know, because those people who like to tear things down, they're good for balance, but look at what works. If it works, use it. If it doesn't, throw it away.
0: That's Yeah, it's a very, very simple approach. And... Uh, I'm actually really excited to to dive into that because I'm only limited to what I see from people that I follow, and yeah. I haven't heard of the. Like I have to go back and actually listen to it and and do the googling because you 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 threw out a lot of information that I I'm like whoa I didn't, I didn't even know about and like and one thing I'm really fascinated about because I know as a matter of fact uh, Manny Vaya uh, he <laughs> he said that you know people are are shortcut you know, and you got to learn how to communicate. And, and I'm a full believer in that. Cause I would not be where I am it, like without other people, without, well, without Wes, like, l- l- like literally he introduced me to Tony Robbins. He brought me to so many, like, I owe so much to that man. He's helped me out tremendously. Mm-hmm. Um, now before we do, uh, you know, wrap it up here, is, is there anything that you you'd want to say, uh, to, to the, um, you know, my audience, you know, young entrepreneurs are starting out, you know, a big thing as well is like, they, we want results now. Like I think with this, all this instant gratification with social media, it's wired our brains to like expect things results now. Cause we see other people like, Oh, they're making a lot of money. And I, I how can I do it as fast as I can? Or uh, just something that you can help us out, you know, on this journey. Um, first and
1: foremost, don't be afraid to set the big money goals. Okay, so if you want to hit seven figures in 12 months, great, million dollars, now divide it by 12, okay, that's how much you have to pull in every month, divide that by 30, that's how much you have to pull in every day, and you need to start playing the game with yourself of what is it going to take to raise that, so I love that entrepreneurs always have big goals, but where we fall down is in the breakdown, right? We start working, but like if every day you don't question yourself and say, well, why am I not making my $100,000 a day or whatever, whatever it is you're setting for your first year, you know, that's what I still do with myself all the time. Right. And like, I had a certain financial goal already that I wanted to hit by June 1st. Guess what? I didn't hit it. We have something called a pandemic and massive fraud and all these other things happening that I didn't account for in my approach that I have to redo. Right. But if you want to make the big money, it's the breakdown that delivers it. It's not the big goal. So for all of you entrepreneurs, I got it. You want quick wins. Great. What would it look like if you just had $5,000 and what would it take to get it, right? Because the nice thing about Mission to Millions is it sits there and it says, okay, I want to have this business, this size, this thing, right? Well, guess what? What's goal number one? Well, who's going to pay me? Okay, well, then maybe the action is you're going to focus on audience acquisition for X amount, or you're going to invest 10 grand into doing something. So remember entrepreneurs, the goals are great, but it's the breakdown day by day that delivers the results and then celebrate them. That was one of the best things Dr. Barry taught me was, girl, you're great. I could put you in Vegas, teach you any game. You'd figure it out and get the money, but you're still going to be pissed off, exhausted, and burn out because you never celebrate it. You're always going for the next goal, right? I'm very endpoint focused and you got to learn to love that journey too. So my second piece of advice would be love the journey, folks. If you're just waiting to be happy when you hit seven figures, You're never going to hit seven figures because you're going to beat yourself up and burn out in the meantime. And then my last thing would be become as in love with learning people as you are with learning whatever it is you want to create as an entrepreneur. And then you'll get there because again, solopreneurs fail. People who lead and have teams succeed. And I proved positive. I have 10 wonderful employees. Um, I wouldn't be here without them. And I have other ones on my other companies too. I'm just thinking about my day job, right? So again, we're not a, doing it alone. Solopreneurship will never get you seven figures. Unless you like to just play the ClickBank thing and you know traffic and buy lists. There's, I do know some people who do that and they're happy with it. But I'm guessing most of your viewers have something else in mind besides that.
0: Most definitely. So again, Elizabeth, thank you so much. Um, for those of us, Watching and listening, pick up her book, Mission to Millions, Taking Big Ideas and Making Them Reality. Phenomenal book. As I mentioned, it's a great book. Like to like, as you how how you describe it on here is like the breakdown. This is literally a breakdown, and you're like, because now I'm thinking, oh, wait, like this is what I need to do with my morning classes. This is what I should do step by step. So I um, highly recommend it. Like for any entrepreneur to read, especially like anywhere in the journey, but especially in the beginning of the journey. Cause that's like, yeah. I felt like I am more enlightened because I've read this book. So again, Elizabeth, thank you so much for, for uh, coming here.
1: Thank you for having me. Always good to talk to you.
0: Likewise.